How many of us are aware that you are not the same as last week? Anyone who's aware that not outside, yeah, maybe you still have the same cut, but inside, God has done something in your life. Thank you for the five of you. We are here for the five of you that realize that God is doing something in our lives. I like what Moachi said. God is, in, is interested in what we are becoming. Amen? And so, friends, it's an exciting time. A time of pruning, as we say. It, it has not been easy. It's not easy for you, I know. Neither is it easy for me. But it's a season that we are in. And what God is going to do in and through our lives demands that we go through what we're going through now. It demands that God will cut the things that will hinder his work in the near future. Friends, where we are going is not far. It is actually very close. What God will do in our lives in a very near future is going to amaze every one of us. But you know, God won't be amazed. Because the good work that he has already started and is continuing in our lives, he will bring to completion. God will not leave us the way we are. And even as we sang that song, that song is, is very prophetic to me. It says there's an army rising up. And we are part of that army. And may I tell you, the artillery that we have, the armor that we have, is too powerful to be held carelessly. And so, the, the training that we're going through now, you know, some people, you look at them, and I, I look at all of you. Sometimes I feel sorry for some of you, but at the same time, I'm excited. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, why is he always on my case? I'm not on your case because I don't know anything about you. I agree, you never came to tell me anything that is happening. So I don't know anything about you. I just know that what God is doing is good for your future. It may be hard now as he prunes, as he takes you through the fire, as he rebukes and disciplines and corrects. Let me tell you, it is so that in the near future you lack nothing. And like I always say, and the devil has nothing on you. And that is very exciting for me. And today I want us to remind ourselves that the body of Christ belongs to none but Christ himself. And as we continue in a quest to make disciples, we should not make disciples after our own selves. We should point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to mention this morning that everything about Christian life stands and falls on the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's nothing and therefore friends, the biggest question that keeps my mind overly working you know, when we had a time, the training time, uh, the, 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 the NCMI team leader, Tyron, said something and it stuck with me. He said, what the church, the local church says about Jesus Christ.
If you want to see if your local church is healthy, listen to what they say about Jesus. And, and it, it was something that they said to us during church planters in 2006. But even as he said it this time, it got me thinking, what do members of Cosmo City Church say about Jesus? And, and it dawned to me that whilst not only us, but many other churches are very good with their pulpit ministry, the reality is that we preach about topics, not about the person. And we are very good at introducing people to church programs and policies, but not to the person, Jesus Christ. We are so famous as pastors on the lips of the members than Jesus is. And every other member of the church can talk expertly about what is in the hand of Jesus, but not about Jesus himself. People can speak very well about healing, but not about Jesus Christ the healer. People can speak very well about faith, but not about the one in whom we should have faith. So ultimately, people have faith in faith, or faith in prayer, or faith in, in, in what their pastor says, but not in Jesus Christ. And so, people are established on the wisdom and the eloquence of their pastor, and not on the revelation of the King, Jesus Christ. And so today, I want us to talk, as we continue to re-centralize Jesus in our lives, about the fact that we are witnesses of Christ. And the fact that we are witnesses of Christ calls to question what we mostly talk about. And I'll come to that one. But I want to emphasize that we are the witnesses of Jesus Is that okay with you? And let me say, of all the proximities that can be defined and described, things or people closest to you, Christ, God, is the closest. I love this thing. Whether you are aware or not, God, Jesus Christ, is the closest. He's the one who said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, even if you go to short stay, you all know where short stay is. Others call it latrine. Others call it levatry. Others call it, you know what I mean. Even if you go to the website to download, he never leaves you, no, forsake you. Where you don't want other people to be, Christ is there. He's the closest. For in him you live, you move, and you have your, your being. Where nobody else is, he's there. Of all lovers we have, God is the most committed and most faithful. I know you love a lot of other people and many others love you. But nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many relationships have you broken already? How many exes do you have? But let me tell you, God is the one who never becomes an ex in our lives. He's there, committed, loving us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. 
of all the words spoken to us and the promises that were made. You know, those that promised you heaven and earth, although they don't have any. God's words and promises are the only eternally true and unchanging. His word is eternal as stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 1989 declares, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. For no matter how many of his promises they are, they are yes and amen is spoken to his glory in Jesus Christ. God is the only one who has not disappointed you so far. And even if you may be disappointed with him, let me tell you, he has not disappointed you. You just have a distorted view of what has happened. Perhaps it's your fault. You just don't realize. Of all the etceteras and uncertainties of our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only consistent constant. You see, when something is constant, it's there. It doesn't change. But if it is always there, never changing, then it's also consistent. But other people have changed. How many friends you thought you had? How many people have betrayed you that you never thought would betray you? How many people did you think will stay true to you and have not? But the Bible declares, Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's the same in his power, the same in his purpose, the same in his commitment to you. He doesn't change. And of all the friends, loved ones, lovers, things, and the best people we like to talk about, here's the sad part, Jesus is the least. Of all the things you and I like to talk about, Jesus Christ is the least. He's the closest but the least talked about. The most committed yet the least talked about. The most loving the least talked about. And that, friends, is the saddest part of our Christian life. And yet Jesus is the only one who has mandated us or given us permission to talk about him. Most people that we talk about have not given us permission. That is why most of the time we talk about people that have not com uh, commissioned us or mandated us to talk about is called gossip. Because you don't have permission to say the things you are saying about them. But Jesus, Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be what? My witnesses. Isn't that a mandate? Isn't that a permission to talk about him? Friends, the only person who has given us permission to talk about, we don't. Let us talk about us. And I personally, I don't remember giving anyone permission to be my witness. Because if you are to witness about me, you will have to say everything and some of the things I'm not proud of. And I would not want you to say them. But Jesus has nothing to hide. Romans 8.29 reveals the ultimate goal of the Christian life. The one passion we should pursue with every fiber of our being. What is the goal of a Christian life? Others say it is to win the world. Others say, no, it's not all these things that we are saying. And this is the goal. For whom he did, he did for no, 
God also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Being like Jesus is the ultimate goal of our lives. Being like Jesus is the only state in which God is pleased by us. And so God has sent his son that we may be like him. If we live our lives away from the image of Christ, we're missing the point. You know, if we were to win everyone on earth and everyone was saved, we will still have to be like Jesus. That is why others will do the works of Jesus, but he will say, I did not know you. Because there was nothing in you that reflected me. And so let me point out that the key difference between the church in the book of Acts and us, I believe, is not found in devotional disciplines or the anointing. Devotional disciplines are the things we do to get closer to God, to know Him. You know, reading the word. Those are, are called devotional disciplines. I don't think that was the difference. Because they fasted, we fast too. And in other cases, we fast more than some of them did. But, if there is any degree of anything that they superseded us in, is primarily where they put the Lord Jesus Christ in their talk, their preaching, and their conduct. They spoke about Jesus all the time. That is why for them, in their meeting, when, it, when Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, in my name, when they do what? They gather in my name. Are you aware that not all churches still gather in the name of Jesus anymore? Jesus is no longer the center of churches anymore. Now we gather in the name of church. I go to Cosmo City Church. That's where you want to gather. You gather for the beautiful worship. You gather for your famous and eloquent pastor. You gather for your needs. But Jesus said, if they gather in my name, there shall I be in their midst. And so that, I believe, is what sets us apart from them. If you read every chapter of the book of Acts, talks about Jesus. Everywhere they went, everything they spoke and testified about was not a topic of their individual specialty or the latest gossip, not even their problems, trials, and tribulations, which of course were many. Have you realized that when we gather, we talk about our problems? When we gather, we talk about how hard life is. When we gather, it's all about us and us and us and us and my needs and my needs. Give me, give me, my name is Jimmy and I'll take everything you give me. It's always about us. And when we preach as pastors, I preach my specialty. I am from the movement of healing, from the faith movement, from that movement, from the church governance movement. It is no longer about Jesus. But the early church did not do that. Wherever they went, they proclaimed Jesus Christ. And as Paul puts it, and him crucified. Look at this This. A few extractions from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching, 
after the, the, the Holy Spirit has come. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Paul preached him. Stephen preached him. Peter preached him. Everyone, the Bible says, everywhere they went, they preached the Lord. They baptized people in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. This know you and all the people of Israel. This is now Peter before the rulers of the nation, before the Sanhedrin. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. But today, it is not about Jesus. It is about an organization or a ministry. When we interview people, I don't know if you watch TV. Every other ministry that interviews people about healing, tell us about, tell us about us. What have we done for you? It's not about Jesus anymore. And I love parts of scripture that actually deal with healing. In the Bible, it's very fascinating that healing is not the preaching. Does that mean we don't have to preach about the healing? We should. But in the Bible, healing is not the preaching. Christ is. Healing is the outcome the confirmation of preaching about Jesus Christ. That is why the Bible says, as they went preaching, Christ confirmed the word with signs and wonders. They didn't go around preaching about why others are getting healed, why others are not getting healed. We need to do that, I guess, because we have decentralized Christ. The Bible says Paul was preaching in a city and he saw a lame guy. As he was preaching this resurrected Jesus Christ, the Bible says he saw this man and he saw that this man had faith to be healed. He was not preaching about healing. He was preaching about Jesus Christ. But the man, as he put his faith in Christ Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, his faith was risen. And Paul said to him, stand up and walk. Because Christ was preached as the center of everything. So, Peter, Apollos, every one of those preachers preached Christ more than anything. And made him the center of all life. Which he is. So, as a church... As Cosmo City Church, as the body of Christ, we need to acquaint people more with Jesus as Lord and Savior than with church programs and policies. A lot of people can tell you about what their church believes in the Bible and about the constitution of the church, but they cannot tell you about Jesus Christ. The one whom they have received. And, and guess who, who, who introduced them to that? us because we're failing to make disciples for christ we make disciples for the local church for when they are in a crisis these people that you bring and you introduce them to programs not to christ when they are in a crisis 
Guess what they will need? They will need him. Unfortunately, they won't know anything about him. They won't know him except our written documents that have no power to save. When every one of us is not there for them, guess the only person who will be there that they don't know how to talk to? Jesus Christ. We've never introduced them to them. Therefore, there is no way we can introduce people to God without introducing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. For Jesus is God. And other people have argued, one, one day we will expound further of, on this truth. Other people have argued that you Christians make Jesus above God. You Christians, you worship God. You know God in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 is the one who says to his angels, let the angels of God worship the Son. Jesus is God. Let's just read in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. And I want you to see that God himself declares that Jesus is God. Somebody who, ha who is there, just, who has the NIV, just read for us from verse 8 to verse 10. Anyone who has the NIV? But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a rope. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same. And your, your years will never end. To which, to, to which of the angels did God say, Your throne, O God. Who's speaking there? God there. He says to the Son, your throne, O God. He says, you are Lord. You created all things. The Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the, Friends, Jesus is God. And we don't have to be apologetic about it. If Muslim says he's not, he is. Are you fine with that? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The fullness, the entire Godhead was found in Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians 1.19 tells us. So whilst others choose to identify themselves strictly as witnesses of the Father, or of any other person for that matter, the Godhead chose Jesus as the subject and object of our testimony. And thus both the Father and the Holy Spirit testify about Jesus. If you say, I am a Jehovah's Witness, perhaps you intend meaning Jesus Christ. But if you mean, I'm a, I'm a witness of God the Father, then you are in error. 
because the father has mandated that the son be the one unto whom and about whom testimony is given. Let's read 1 John chapter 5. I'm reading from verse 5. It says, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is the truth. The Bible says, The Holy Spirit testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. All these. There are three witnesses in heaven. There are three witnesses on earth. Verse 9, if we receive the witness or the testimony of men, the witness of the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God which he has testified about who? Who is God testifying about? The Son, Jesus Christ. He that believes on the Son of God has this testimony in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. He says, John says, if you believe in God and you believe that is the, Jesus is the son of God, he says, yes, you agree with God. But if you don't, you, you deny the testimony of God. But I want you to see something that I love. And this is the record. This is the testimony. That God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of God has no life. These things I have written to you. That you may believe on the name of the son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. That you may believe on the name of the son of God. This is the testimony that God has given about the son. In him there is eternal life. So God testifies about Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 15, when you read verse 27, He says, the Holy Spirit who comes from the Father, the Spirit of truth, when He comes, He will testify about me. And you will also testify. So God, the Father, the Spirit, the Godhead testifies about Jesus. So friends, you and I, can only testify about one man. Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to our speech, our daily talk, the things we fool, our, our, our mouths, with the Bible says, out of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth speaks and testifies to that which overflows from the heart. So our speech shows what is in our heart. Don't you find it an indictment? You know what an indictment is? Some kind of a judgment. 
tseo o di buang di so imagine if your heart is full of Jesus what comes out of your mouth but friends you and i need to take stock of our lives you and i need to check our hearts because clearly out of our mouths it is not Jesus that comes out the most Jesus is not the one who gets the most airplay from our hearts. We talk about many other things but Jesus. So here's a question. What is it that you and I are known to talk more about? Other people we know, they talk more about soccer. Others talk more about money. Others talk more about girlfriends and boyfriends. Others talk more about all the other things. So clearly, out of the abundance of our hearts, our hearts that are filled with those things that we are known to talk more about, our mouths speak. So clearly, we claim Jesus with our mouths, but our hearts are not filled with him, filled with his ways. What would you like to be known about from now onwards? When you, you come to people, people... They want to stay away from, oh, there she comes. Why? Why don't you like her? No, it's not that I don't like her. It's just that she likes talking about people. She's a gossip. And that's what you are known about. You are known that when people talk to you, they leave your presence without peace. They come to you godly and leave you less godly. I don't know if you understand that there are people that when you come to, and, and that has become the norm amongst the children of God. When we come together, we leave one another inhumane. Why? Because in our talks, we have chopped and slashed other people's characters. We have defamed one another. We have spoken so bad about one another that when I have spoken to you, by the time we, we separate, you don't like her anymore. Your sister, your brother in the Lord, our meetings are more about dividing the body. But the Bible says when you come together, encourage one another to do good works and to love the Lord more. So does your tongue regularly land you in trouble? Do you? What assails you in your speech? So what troubles you? Is it vulgar? Do you? Do you speak these things? Do you say the S and the Fs and then you always want to apologize? Do you gossip? Do you speak unkind ways? Do you do coarse joking? You know those people who say things that they shouldn't say and they say after that they say I was joking. And the Bible says that is also sin. Do you like lying? Whatever it may be, one thing true though is this. Is that all of us have tongue troubles. We have tongue problems. The Bible says, Be quick to and slow to. But 99.9 .9 of us, including myself, have a problem with that simple principle. Isn't that true? You always land in problems because of what you said. Seldom because of what you did. 
But James, in the letter he wrote to the scattered tribes, he says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Jesus is giving a solution to this deadly poison. He says, if you don't want to land into trouble, speak about me. Other people, you talk about them, they will ask you. They will summon you and say, yes, yes, yes. I hear you were saying about me. Do you know Jesus will never have an, take an offense? He's the only one who has said, go and tell them about me. If you say Jesus is Lord, fine. If you say Jesus turned water into wine, fine. If you say Jesus died and was resurrected, he doesn't have a problem. But if you go and say something like, uh, my pastor, he came late to church. Yeah, then I take offense. When we tell people that you overslept when we had a meeting, and you did oversleep, you take off as if you didn't oversleep. But whatever you say that is written about Jesus, he'll never take an offense. So he's giving us a solution to not getting into trouble about the things we say. So while the tongue cannot be tamed, Bazalan, it can be disciplined. We can discipline ourselves. There are many reasons why we are flawed in our speech. However, I believe the major one is that Jesus is hardly the subject or the intended focus of our discussions, talks, or discourses. We may never be perfect, but the reason most of the time we are in trouble because of the things we said. It's because the subject of our discussion was never Jesus. How many people have ever fought with you about talking about Jesus with them? How many people have ever had a meeting with you? We have an issue to solve with you. It's about Jesus. How many people have ever knocked at your house and say, yes, we are here to inquire about this talk you are having with everyone in the community about Jesus Christ? Has it ever happened? Then clearly you and I are talking about the wrong things most of the time. We talk about stuff we have no permission to talk about. If we don't have a permission about it, let's not talk about it. On the other hand, there are those things that are permissible but not beneficial. Let's not talk about them as well. If we can, let's reduce them. If you can't stop altogether. I mean, other people talk about soccer-like. God has taken leave. There's nothing to talk about. Other people talk about women like there's no tomorrow. Other women talk about men like they are finished. People talk about stuff. We hardly talk about Jesus. So much such that we are now ashamed of talking about Jesus. You know, I had planned to 
to make you do something. I won't do it and I won't tell you so that we can test it with the second service, guys. But have you realized that you have less to tell people about Christ even if you were told what to tell them? We hardly, hardly ever talk about Jesus. So friends, let's lend it by saying when we misuse the privilege of speech here on earth, that is to speak about and testify concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to testify about the King and His kingdom, when we stand before Him, we shall be found dumb and mute on that faithful day when we have to give account of the words we spoke. The privilege of being able to speak here on earth as the Bible reveals it to me is that we should talk about Jesus. Because the Bible says when we stand before him we'll give account of every idle word. So if we misuse that opportunity to speak when we stand before him he will ask you, so what did you say? That day, you will be quiet. You will be dumb and mute because you will have nothing to say. What did you say about me to the world? I sent you to be my witnesses. What did you say? That's when you will see a real cardboard cutout that day. You will just see faces. But you will have nothing to say. Let's stand up. Exciting days ahead, isn't it? We are even going to correct our speech. That's why in this church we are very excited. Uh, can I give you words of encouragement? Uh, go and do speech auditing. I'm going to start doing mine seriously. Speech what? Go and audit. Check what you normally say. What fills your talk every day. And don't be ashamed to change. And if there are members of this church who make you feel bad for changing, tell us so that we can deal with them accordingly. Because I know there are people, when you start speaking about Jesus, but how? So she says, so let's see. They want to make you feel bad. They want you, they will be saying, oh, now you are holier than thou. Friends, we have to talk about Jesus. For we are not ashamed of the gospel. For this very gospel that other people want us to feel bad when talking about, it is the power of God unto salvation. First for the Jews, then to the Gentiles. In this gospel, in speaking about Jesus, therein the righteousness of God is revealed. And what does the Bible say? In righteousness you shall be established.